Last year, we began an education interview series for our church podcast, where I did, where I started to interview people about different education systems. So in December, I interviewed Emily Holly about the public school system. And now I'm interviewing Amy Vanzi, a member at Eden Baptist Church, about homeschooling. And then in the coming weeks, we'll have an interview with Emily Saxon from Memoria Press about classical education to round out this series. But Amy, thanks for being willing to talk with us about homeschooling. Thanks so much for having me, Erin. Glad to be here. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned to you, Amy, and I'll just remind the people who are listening to this, the purpose of this education series is not really to try to convince anybody of a particular education system as if, you know, you must do this one system. And uh, so I've, I've tried not to, you know, help people leverage arguments for only one system, but I think it's good for us to think about multiple systems of education the benefits and the weaknesses of those education systems. And uh, I've appreciated our conversations about your your practice of homeschooling. So I'm excited for you to be able to share that with people at Resurrection Church who may be considering homeschooling as an option or who currently homeschool and might find some good ideas as, as they listen to this. Good, good. But I want to start by asking about your own education background. Um my my own I was homeschooled for a few years and so I have some personal experiences with homeschooling but I don't believe you were homeschooled maybe you can share with us your your educational background Sure well I might surprise you a little bit then because I have had a little bit of everything Okay So I started out at a private Christian kindergarten and I remember it being very nurturing, very home-like, probably a pretty small class. And then after that, I was homeschooled for one year. Okay. Um, I asked my mom about it recently. Uh, I have an older brother who's one year ahead of me. And she homeschooled us. And she said she wanted to make sure we had a really strong foundation in reading. Mm. So I, and I remember her reading to us. We read mm. those Narnia books. So yeah. I remember her reading to us. So after that, we, I went, so this is in second grade, from second grade to 12th grade, I went to the local public schools. Okay. And I grew up here in Apple Valley, so um, that high school was Eastview High School. Mm-hmm. And a couple of things of note about that was that when we started attending public school, my mom started volunteering in the classroom. And eventually she was hired as a reading specialist at the school. Mm -hmm. So she was there a lot. Okay. And then she went back to school and got a graduate degree and became a guidance counselor and was hired at Eastview. Okay. So she was at school all the time. Mm. And I think she probably more than we did had a handle on what was going on. She knew the administration. She knew the culture. She knew the students other teachers. So I really think that that was an important part. She was there a lot. My dad also attended games and they were, you know, sporting events and um, my brother was in band, you know, so they were very much in in it with Mm -hmm. us as we were at the public schools. So after I graduated high school, I spent one year at Baylor University in Texas. No way. I did. I sure did. And after that year, I ended up transferring back to the University of Minnesota 
the Twin Cities campus. Okay. And so just so much interwoven in this story, Erin, is my testimony of how the Lord saved me Mm. because I was saved that at the semester break between my sophomore year. Yeah. So I was at the U and my family was attending Bethlehem and we had been through high school. So I had gone to church my whole life, Mm. raised in a Christian family, and the Lord just brought me to himself. So I was really involved with a campus ministry there called Campus Outreach. Okay. Um, and just, I was so, I was growing in my faith. I was so hungry for the word, Bible study, just interacting with people who were very different from me mm-hmm. at the U as I lived on campus. Um, and I was also really flourishing academically. Okay. I loved being a student at the University of Minnesota and during those years. What did you study there? Yeah, so I was an English major. Okay. I always thought I would be a high school English teacher because I love books. I okay. love talking about books. I love reading books and I love writing. And so to do those things essentially as my job, I was supposed to be doing those things it was just grand. Yeah. I mean, I loved it so much. Mm. So I got, and, oh and, yeah. And you've actually written a C.S. Lewis reader guide. Is that right? Well, so after I graduated, I ended up, I did not end up going into teaching. I ended up going into publishing. Okay. And, you know, through a couple different jobs, I started working in children's educational publishing, which was okay. so fun and a great fit for an English major. I mm-hmm. was an editor and I did some writing. And we did a series on critical theory. Okay. So we did, I mean, we did, um, let's see, uh, popular, I'm trying to think some of the directors um, and artists, authors, Mm -hmm. um, poetry. And yeah, one of the books was about C.S. Lewis. Okay. And that was, that was a tricky one to write. It really was, but it was fun. And I got to revisit those Narnia books. So that's great. Yeah. So is it like reading C.S. Lewis through different critical theories? You got it. Okay. Yeah, because it was teaching what is critical theory. So if I remember correctly, the first two chapters were that. And then you would break down four of the works of whatever author or person and choose a lens. Okay. And look at it through that lens. So critical theory is a tricky one. I'm yeah. still a little on the fence about it, but yeah. it was a good My was a good my senior English project was writing on um, the the Lord of the Flies through a psychoanalytic lens. Oh my. Um, yep. So okay. so you're very familiar with all of that kind of stuff. That's that's great. Did you read some Freud for that, Erin? A little was bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. you kind of have to. Yes. So. <laughs> Yep. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, so that brought, yeah, I I loved being a student at the U. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I loved reading. And um, yeah, so that was my education. And I don't, I have never been a teacher, except mm-hmm. now I'm a homeschool teacher okay. as a homeschool mom. So Yeah, so um, you could mention that you came to faith during that time. Um, in your family was going to Bethlehem the whole time, but you were not a believer. Is that correct? Correct. But I thought I was. Okay. I just didn't know any differently, but that Holy Spirit came and changed my life. That's great. Well, you have um, just told us you're a homeschool teacher and how, how should we address homeschool teacher, you know, moms, do we just say you're a homeschool mom or how, how, what's the proper vernacular for that? That is a great question. 
that I have never thought about. Okay. I'm okay with homeschool mom. Okay. Yeah. I don't really refer to myself as a teacher, I guess, but I suppose I am. So yeah. Okay. Homeschool mom or homeschool teacher. Um, it might be apparent from the name, but what is homeschooling? And are there different philosophies of homeschooling that are pretty identifiable in common? Okay, this is a great question, and it's a big question. And there was one thing I thought of that is in this question that is very specific to our moment right mm-hmm. now with COVID. Okay. Because I think a lot of people this past year found themselves unexpectedly schooling at home yes. through distance learning. Mm-hmm. And a couple of people that I've talked to, um, oh, well, first of all, kudos to those parents. That is a challenge. Way to go. Um, and I would just say, you know, whether your experiences with that went really well or were really challenging, mm-hmm. probably some of both, that that is different from homeschooling. Okay. Very different from homeschooling. Homeschooling, um, you're going to have a lot more say on your schedule, yep. what you choose for your curriculum, mm-hmm. um, than you would in a distance learning situation. Yeah. So that's kind of a what homeschool isn't. Okay. Um, but I dug a little bit because there are, you know, there are laws in our country about education, mm-hmm. and each state is going to have its own laws, okay. its own regulations. And Minnesota, from what I, from my perspective, we have a good amount of freedom about okay. what we can do as homeschoolers. Mm. There are some things we must do, and it's important that we do those. Um, and you can, there's a, there's some really great websites um, that will give you the guidance on the things that you need to make sure you're doing. But um, there are specific lists of subjects you must teach. Okay. But it does, I just looked this up too. Um, the website is called MASHE. It's Minnesota Association of Christian Home Educators. Okay. And the, there's a list of subjects you must teach, but it doesn't give specifics about how often or what age. Okay. There's also a certain, well, there's really no specific number of days that you have to teach. Okay. Um, but it does say a typical school year is 180 days. Okay. So but what that looks like for your family can really vary. Mm-hmm. Some people do year-round school. Some people do something called Sabbath schooling where it's like six weeks on, one week off. Okay. Some people work their schedules so they have four days and they can take Fridays to do mm-hmm. other things. So what is homeschooling? Well, yeah, we're educating our children and we do have those guidelines, but within those guidelines of subjects we must teach, there's so much freedom. Okay. And so you asked if there's a unified philosophy of education and yeah. as from my perspective, I would say no. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I I would assume not okay. because even in my short homeschool experience, which was from, you know, kindergarten through 4th grade, okay. for one one or two years we used, maybe longer than that, we used exclusively Bob Jones University curriculum. And then for a couple other years, we got a computer. And well, we were in North Dakota, so internet came like a decade after everywhere else. But we we had, I think it was a Becca switched on schoolhouse. Yeah. And that was like, I was thrown into a room and I was supposed to just do school which was not great for me. Um, 
I, I've learned that if I had it set on the robot theme, it would tell me if things are partially correct, where all the <laughs> other ones, it would just tell you right or wrong. And nice. th- that was not good. And then um, as I met my wife, she grew up being homeschooled. And there were our homeschool co-ops and something called Teach, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and so it was a very different homeschool experience than I've had. And then I've talked to other homeschoolers who employ classical education models into their homeschooling, or um, as they teach subjects, they'll not use a curriculum, but sort of pick things for their kids to read and work through. And so it seems like there's a a large variety, uh, not only of educational philosophies, but philosophies of why one would educate at home as well. Yes. Yes to what that what you said. I okay. think and our reasons for homeschooling are probably going to influence some of our methods and our mm-hmm. philosophies. It's all interwoven. But I think you named, you know, classical I hear being really popular. The one that I've really enjoyed and been blessed by is called Charlotte Mason. She was a British educator. Um unschooling is one. Um I think Waldorf. So there's there's some of these these ideas, but some people are eclectic and kind of mix and match. Okay. And yeah, yeah. So there's there's really a lot. Okay. Yeah. So if if someone is pursuing home education, what's the best way for them to identify different approaches? If, if there is a best way to identify approaches or resources for thinking through different philosophies of education? Okay, that's a really good question. One thing I've found is that in general, homeschool moms love to talk about what they do. Yeah. And so if you know someone who homeschools and you're curious, ask them. I have been so blessed by so many people who have who are ahead of me, beyond mm-hmm. me, who are willing to come alongside, bring me into their home and show me their bookcases and there's, you know, what a day looks like. This is so, Erin, I did not intend to homeschool. Okay. I came to it late in the game. And um, this is this is my story that one of my husband's cousins, I reached out to her. I was thinking about it. She brought me along and said, come to this conference. Mm-hmm. And that conference was like, I did not know homeschool could look like that. And I was uh. lit up inside because it was a literature-based approach okay. to homeschooling. That's, so it always that comes makes back sense. to literature, right? So. So just, um, I, I, of course, the internet is vast mm-hmm. and sometimes overwhelming, but there's really good stuff out there, right? Yeah. So if you just even wanted to look at some of the philosophies, drill into them a little bit, see if one of them sounds interesting, and then and then go from there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I don't know of a single homeschooling mom who doesn't like to talk about what they're doing is what I've experienced. So so you've mentioned a little bit of how you have applied a philosophy of homeschooling in perhaps literature-based. Uh, maybe talk about that a little bit. Um, what do you guys do and why do you do it that way? Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, something I've really loved about the Charlotte Mason method, which is the one I've, I've used probably the most, is this idea that children are born persons. Mm -hmm. Each one of them is a unique being created in the image of God for his glory. So we are training up this next generation for, for the Lord, Mm -hmm. um, and treating them as such. These are not, 
they're people, <laughs> they're mm-hmm. um, individuals with unique gifts and strengths and weaknesses, just like we all have. So um, I'm jumping a little bit, but with literature, my children really love stories. So mm-hmm. I have two girls and one boy. Our read aloud time is really sweet. Um, one practice that we do is something called narration. So after we read, we shut the book and they tell it back to me okay. in their own words. Mm-hmm. And what's so funny and and just really precious to my heart is that I would do it with my older girls. And then my little son wanted to do it too. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't expecting him to want to, but he did. And it was great. So mm-hmm. they're always listening. These children are so capable. Um, I'm trying to think. We do nature study, which just really fits so beautifully in, I think, with wanting to show them the amazing world God has made Mm -hmm. to give them that awe of not, well, we don't end at creation that points to the creator. So we are going to see the intricacy of seasons and plants and all of these things. And we're going to put them in our nature journals and um, talk about it. So these are some of kind of the hallmarks of, of the Charlotte Mason method is okay. living books, um, narration and nature study, but there's a lot more to it, but those are some of the big ones. Okay. So I think for the questions that I have left, they they are probably going to be, you can only answer from your experience probably. And so probably we'll focus on this approach to homeschooling, but what, what do you think the strengths of homeschooling are um, with this method in particular, or maybe more generally, and, and what would be maybe some of the counterbalancing weaknesses or, or uh, deficiencies of that model? Yeah. Oh, again, great questions. And ones that my husband and I have been wrestling through even of mm. late. So I really appreciate that homeschooling allows us to have a good measure of control over our time. Mm-hmm. And with we're usually done by lunchtime or even a little bit afterwards. So that leaves us a lot of time in the afternoons for Mm -hmm. the children to just be at home with unstructured time. Mm -hmm. I think there can be a great benefit to that for them to explore their individual interests and, um, and things like that. I really like that you can tailor your education to each child Mm -hmm. move at their own pace see if they're an extra if there's an extra interest in one so charlotte mason talks about spreading a feast before the children of so many subjects and if it's kind of that metaphor of of food sometimes some subjects they might just sample but some they're gonna like load their plate with so you can just cultivate that in them see Mm. the places where they're they're more drawn um you have that time to pursue that um I also really appreciate this idea of kind of educating the whole child mm-hmm. and not merely the mind, okay. right? So we're, we can nurture their relationships as siblings, mm-hmm. as mother-child, mm-hmm. um, teacher-student. Um, so also, I mean, they're spiritual beings as well. So we are mm-hmm. reading the word together and talking about it. So I really appreciate it as kind of a whole, a whole person. Yeah picture there so however I do see that there are some real challenges to homeschooling and the ones that my husband and I have wrestled with are 
kind of some of that learning that happens between the lines, so mm-hmm. to speak. So yeah. not necessarily just academics, but how to interact with people, mm-hmm. how to uh, work with that really tough teacher, the one who seems unfair. And who knows, maybe I'm that really tough <laughs> teacher, right? Yeah. Um, but I just, peers, um, time management, some of the things that are brought out when a student would attend a school. Mm-hmm. So we're just, we're just thinking through some of okay. these things. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if this is a weakness for homeschooling generally, but one question I, I, I like that there's an attention on the individual child. Um, but I, I wonder if one of the weaknesses of that approach is perhaps there are parents who, when you think about them as individuals, might not have the capacity or giftedness or, or ability to be able to, to educate their children. Is that true? Or do you think an, anyone could do it? That anyone could homeschool? Yeah. You know, I have felt those inadequacies. Okay. Yes. And something I've been encouraged by lately is just remembering that I am not meant to be the giver of all knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, Children are so curious. My little four-year-old has pretty much asked me as much as I can possibly tell him about (laughs) anything mechanical. He's asking how a coffee maker works. Oh, man. It's over yeah. my head. So <laughs> so we bring them to teaching them research with how to mm-hmm. research, asking a grandpa who knows, you know, outsourcing the things that are mm. not our greatest strengths. There are great co-ops. I, I need to look into this, but I feel like I heard my mom say that a private or a public, I'm sorry, a home educated student can even take classes at the local high school. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. So... Some of my brothers-in-law did some classes at Shakopee. I think Katie did okay. PSEO. Yes. Is, is yes. that what that's called? Yes. I don't think they had that in Wisconsin, but oh, while okay. she was a homeschooler. Mm-hmm. So they they integrated that way, yeah. which I think was helpful. And I think one of the ways they compensated for maybe those lack of knowledge areas was by participating in that co-op where I think they would... I think they met at Berean Baptist, yes. rented that, and yeah. and I think someone else would teach. I'm not sure of the details there. Yeah. Maybe I should have grabbed Katie for this, but sure. Um, so so, um, maybe this is not a true. Maybe this is a stereotype. But um, homeschoolers is socially awkward. Is is that something that is genuine? Or is, are there, if it is, are there ways to help mitigate that? How have you guys thought about that? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, sometimes I'm socially awkward, right? I mean, yep. we all can have those moments. I do think that probably maybe there might be potentially an overemphasis on socialization. Okay. That's kind of what I hear a lot. At the same time, that is important. So mm-hmm. we shouldn't just throw it out. But I think it's important as we my husband and I have thought about homeschooling, like let's stay involved in our church. Mm -hmm. Let's, I try to work on conversation skills with my children as they speak with their grandparents, making eye contact, you know, Mm -hmm. just being a good listener. We work on this Mm -hmm. at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. Um, I see them as they interact with neighbor kids and I'm kind of got, I've got my eye out for that. Like, how are they doing? Yeah. Are they just talking or are they having a good conversation? So it might be a bit of a stereotype, but I also think it could be something to just 
just keep your eye on. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just are spending more time at home, yeah. it's just part of the the homeschool yep. situation. Yeah. So other stereotypes: every homeschooler goes to college when they're twelve. Every oh. homeschooler knows three languages. Are these true or, or are they setting false expectations or oh, wow. assumptions about homeschoolers? Okay, I think those are probably setting some false expectations. Okay. Otherwise, I need to up my language game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just remember reading about, you know, P, you know, early Puritans or others who were, you know, going to college and, uh, you know, could read homer by the time they were 14 but maybe yeah. that's not the case for all all homeschoolers sure. um i i think that every christian parent wants to raise their children up in a way that honors the lord and that instills christian values and virtues in them that helps their children see the world through a christian lens and um, different education systems do that you know more helpfully or less helpfully than others and um, when when you look at homeschooling, how how do you see that helping them see the world as Christians? But then maybe related a little bit to the social piece, how how do you see homeschooling helping them engage with the world as Christians? Okay. Can you repeat the first one? Yeah. So I yeah I should split this up. No, these number are one fascinating yeah, questions. Development of the Christian worldview. Okay. And then part two would be development of engagement with the world as Christians. Okay, so development of Christian worldview. I am, this is particular to our home. Mm-hmm. I am super grateful for my husband's strengths in this area. Mm-hmm. So when I think about it, it's actually not something that's happening specific to homeschool, it's happening around our dinner table, yeah. which would happen if my kids went to school or if they were homeschooled, he is really good at asking those questions, talking with them about what does the word say? He leads us in reading the word and then we'll have really good conversation. And I would say lately they've been even better. My children are like really engaging, Mm. but I think as we come across topics in history, literature, this is going to come up even more as Mm -hmm. we think through how do we process this? What do we think about this as a Christian? Um, my children are still fairly young. I imagine this will come up even more as we read some of these harder books. But it's just an ongoing thing that I have the freedom. We have the freedom to stop and and converse about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's great. And I think we'd probably know not everyone who homeschools is a Christian because yes. people have different reasons for wanting to homeschool their kids. And so we shouldn't just assume that every homeschooler, you know, is a, is a Christian or is raised to see the world Christianly. Um, but it's, it's when you have Christian parents that, that happens not just when you're teaching them, you know, formally, but Mm -hmm. in every moment. And that, like you're saying is true of Christian parents in every education system in every day of their lives. So then have you found that your approach to homeschooling helps your children engage in the world as Christians? This is a concern of mine, Mm -hmm. to be honest, because I think about just how many opportunities a child who attends school has to Mm -hmm. meet people who are different from them. And 
So my hope is that these really young years can be helpful in that formation mm-hmm. that as my children are kind of leaving more and more, they are able to take what they've learned and apply it to the relationships that God puts in their lives. Um, I would say though, that is one of the reasons why I would consider sending my children to school in mm-hmm. later years is so that we can have those conversations about how to engage with believers, with unbelievers who you encounter. We can mm-hmm. have those conversations while they're still under our roof. Yeah. I was so encouraged by the conversation you had with Emily Holly, and I would yeah. stop here and say anyone who hasn't listened to it, Try to go back and find it because it was so encouraging in this regard. And to hear her talk about how she would speak with her parents about just these life things Mm -hmm. that she encountered as she, I believe she was at the public schools. That is very appealing to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm drawn to that. Now, it doesn't mean that as a homeschooler, they're not also going to have those encounters. Mm -hmm. I just think... When you go to a school, you probably are just going to meet more people, right? Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And you're just, your child is with probably mostly unbelievers for the larger part of their day. And um, I, I think hearing from Emily was encouraging, hearing mm-hmm. about the way her parents related to her during that time and for her to be able to experience that prior to, you know, going off to a college somewhere yes. or being out of the home, what it sounds was very beneficial for her. And of course, she was also connected closely to a local church that played a big impact in that. So while she had friends in the public school system, her true friends, her people, so mm-hmm. to speak, were her yep. church people. Yep. And and I think that's that's perhaps what, even more than being part of a Christian family, will bring someone through a, a system like that for the better rather than for the worse. Mm. But I don't have children, so I'm just, you know, giving giving an opinion here. But I I've been I was encouraged to hear her talk about that as well. I was really encouraged to hear that too. Yep. So people eventually have to make a decision about what they're going to do with educating their children, and um, I think most of us know people who had different, you know, a variety of educations as you did. Um, I did as well. Mine was. Um, you know, homeschool, then Christian school in elementary, junior high, high school. But then I did sports with the public school. And then I did Christian college and then Christian seminary. So I've had a lot heavy on the Christian side. You had more of the public education side of things. I did, yeah. Um, and, and then those people, not only do they have to choose how to educate their children, they, they join churches with people who have made different decisions and um, sometimes in the in the worst of situations, that causes problems in a church, or or maybe a church becomes a church that only promotes this kind of schooling and everything else is bad. Um, but how how do you relate to people who have made different decisions than you, or um, how sh- how should people who have made different decisions think about homeschoolers? If if you as a homeschooler get the opportunity to talk to people from other perspectives, how how do you relate to them? I remember a few years ago, at it was a Bible class, our pastor was talking about contemporary issues, and I believe he spent a couple weeks on education, okay. and he talked about the, you know these three kind of ways, 
And he just encouraged us to have a healthy mix. He mm-hmm. said that not only should, if I remember correctly, not only should we make these different decisions, but we should discuss it and mm-hmm. talk about why or what our reasons are for the purpose of spurring each other on. And I really love that idea of encouraging each family in their unique calling. Mm-hmm. Like when I heard Emily talk about how her calling to teach in the public schools, I felt so excited for her. I just mm-hmm. felt like that is so wonderful. I have some really dear friends who have chosen public school and they are intentional and I'm excited for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to say that I always get it right. My heart is sinful too. Yeah. There can be this tendency that says we've made this decision and we think it's the best and to want to put that on other people mm-hmm. and think it's the best for everybody. But I, we're all, we have different callings. We have different children. Mm-hmm. We are different people. We are all uniquely made. And my thought would be if we can remember that we are on the same team, mm-hmm. we are all members of Christ's body, and to be excited about the different choices that each family has prayerfully made, stepping yeah. forward in faith to trust the Lord, which with whichever opportunity it is, and to pray for them, Mm -hmm. to ask them how it's going, to encourage them. I'm thinking specifically of those people who are sending their kids to the public schools, Mm -hmm. you know, to just be on their team as they are engaging. Um, For those who, you know, and I would always appreciate prayer as a homeschool mom too, Mm -hmm. those feelings sometimes that I have of inadequacy and chaos and Am I, can I do this, right? We all need encouragement. So to come alongside and just root for each other yeah. in the choices yeah. we've made. That's great. And and probably recognizing that some families will have kids in multiple different, you know, education systems simultaneously yes, or yes. throughout their life, different times. Yep. Um, and so maybe you can give some advice to parents of really young children or or people without couples without children when do you need to make the decision on what you're going to do for your education and do you have to make a decision about what you're going to do that is firm with resolve and never changing okay good questions i was so helped when my husband told me amy there's no perfect option. It made me realize mm-hmm. that I was looking for the option that had no cons. Okay? okay. He also told me, it's okay if we change partway through. We don't have to make this one decision now and have that be unchanging until mm-hmm. 12th grade. So those types of things were really freeing for me to hear. I mean, tech, I'm trying to think of what the what the law is. I think you have to report at, a, at the October after a certain age, but... I mean, you don't have to decide when they're one. Yeah. You don't have to decide when they're two. Um, some women I know have decided when they have infants that they're homeschooling. They just have that mm. passion and that interest. But you do have time. Do it, Look into it as you have um, ability and interest to visit some schools. Mm-hmm. That was something that Emily brought out in her interview, too, is that Public schools are not all the same. Yeah. So if you can go visit a school, go shadow a homeschool mom. Mm-hmm. You know, do do just kind of get your feet wet and see yeah. what see what see what it's like because we do have the ideas of what it's like and sometimes they're totally changed when we yep. actually see what it is. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Well, I remember when my wife and I were dating, this was something we talked about for a long time. 
when we have kids, what what will we do for their education? Okay. And I was very certain about what I thought then, but I'm happy to be able to say I don't need to make that decision right now. Mm-hmm. And um, it might change depending on the kind of kid that that kid is and yeah. what's going on in life and everything else. Uh, but I know that can be a uh, really jarring decision for people in, in maybe something that freezes them in the moment of, I need to decide this now. Um, and, and maybe that's not the case. It feels huge, especially with that first one. Mm-hmm. It feels monumental. And while it is a really important decision, I mean, my husband said this to me too. He said, it's not like the Lord would say, I was going to save your child, but then you made that decision and now mm-hmm. it changed. You know, it's just trusting the Lord yeah. each moment, each day, each year, each child seeking his will. He leads us and for what he calls us to, he equips us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything uh, related to education or homeschooling that you would want to share with with people, whether they're pursuing homeschooling or not, that that might be helpful? It is really fun. It can be so fun. I selfishly love that I get to experience these learning milestones with my children to Mm. see the light bulbs go on, to see connections being made in their minds, to be kind of firsthand um, witnessing it. It's really special. I would also say you don't have to be an expert in really any subject, okay. truly, we can, you can read to them, mm-hmm. whatever subject it is, let the other, you know, the person who wrote the book be that expert. Mm-hmm. You know, I think feeling like, can I do this? Am I good enough? Um, don't let those types of things intimidate you. There's yeah. great community mm-hmm. as well. Okay. Yeah. Co-ops and, and, and things like that. So you don't have to be alone in it. Yeah. And yeah. probably you would never have trouble striking up a conversation with someone else in that group um, because as as I've experienced, homeschoolers are talkers. So We like to talk yeah. about our, our curriculum choices too. Yeah. And books and the things that we're doing. So, yep. Strike up a conversation. That's great. Yep. Amy, thank you for being willing to talk to us about homeschooling, um, giving up of your time to do this. I, I know it'll be encouraging. It was interesting to me to learn more about this as an ex-homeschooler myself. So thank you again. Of course. Thanks, Erin. In just about three weeks, we will have our final episode in this education interview series where I will talk with Emily Saxon, who works for Memoria Press. You have heard from her husband, Shane, on a couple of other things. So now you'll get to hear from Emily talking about classical education. And of course, there are many variants on classical education as well, classical Christian education. And if you're interested in that perspective, I would encourage you to talk to Shannon Huber, who is... Josh's wife, one of our very own members who has taught at Agape Christie Academy for several years, and she can fill you in with anything you'd want to know with the Christian twist on classical education. But we'll look forward to hearing from Emily Saxon on classical education. This podcast is a ministry of Resurrection Church in Burnsville, Minnesota. You can learn more at www.resurrectionmn.org.